let's move to something else that the government's uh, making no secret of, and it's desire to reform the civil service. There is talk of moving thousands of civil servants and perhaps entire departments out of London. At the same time, the Prime Minister wants the civil service to be more responsive. He said he wants it to move faster in a crisis such as coronavirus. So how radical are the plans and what's behind them? Our reporter Jack Fenwick has been finding out. Bernard, if the right people don't have power, do you know what happens? The wrong people get it. (laughs) Politicians. Councillors, ordinary voters. But aren't they supposed to in a democracy? This is a British democracy. (laughs) That's the fictional senior civil servant, Sir Humphrey Appleby, extolling the virtues of Whitehall's machinery in the BBC sitcom Yes Minister. But while the civil service has long prided itself on quiet, behind-the-scenes efficiency, in recent months, ministers have made clear they want to shake up the system. Take this recent speech by Michael Gove. For many decades now, we've neglected to ensure that senior members of the civil service have all the basic skills required to serve government and our citizens well. I think the plans that Michael Gove put forward um, hold some real promise. Nadine Smith is a former civil servant who now runs the UK branch of the research group, the Centre for Public Impact. I recognise, many of my colleagues recognise, and certainly most civil servants do want to... Um, see a Whitehall that is really fit for our times, has the expertise, is connected and coordinated, and most people understand the need for a strong centre of government at this time too. Who does Number 10 need to be talking to to make sure they've got the right ideas? The government, when it's thinking, and the civil service, thinking about how it's going to reorganise itself, it needs to reorient itself towards communities and citizens and ensure that its lines of communication are really open to the realities of life in the communities up and down the country that currently don't feel that the civil service is relatable. Michael Gove has questioned why those developing tax and welfare policies, for example, are still based in London. But Nadine Smith has a warning. I personally don't believe that moving civil servants out of London on its own as a measure will be enough to solve the problem of the gap that exists between communities, the public sector, local government and central government. And moving civil servants into parts of the country must be seen as a a welcome um, move from government um, rather than it being seen, which is potentially a danger, as Whitehall moving in to the rest of the country. Standing on Whitehall, I'm outside the Cabinet Office building, just a stone's throw from Downing Street. Over the summer, Dominic Cummings moved his base here from the old-fashioned rabbit warren of Number 10. Dubbed the Starship Enterprise, he's created an open-plan office space for his team. And it's a reminder that while he wants to move some parts of government out of London, he also wants to create a strong central unit with more influence across departments. But there's nothing futuristic about that idea. I think that the um, that number 10 is far too small. I think the right thing is to build up the Cabinet Secretariat to its um, proper strength. Former Prime Minister Harold Wilson, speaking in 1964. Listening to the full interview about his plans for the civil service, it struck me that the main talking points were about getting out of London, a lack of people with science backgrounds, and the extent to which power should be centralised around number 10. Sound familiar? My name's John Davis and I'm a lecturer in government history at King's College London. 
very, very similar, very similar rhetoric. Um, you look to the 1970s and Edward Heath, and you look at uh, the Central Policy Review staff brought in to think the unthinkable. Very similar to the misfits and weirdos that Dominic Cummings spoke about in his uh, or wrote about in his uh, infamous blog. One thing we've seen is Dominic Cummings' move and the number 10 policy units move into 70 Whitehall. Obviously, that's been seen as an attempt to make that number 10 unit stronger within Whitehall. Why does a Prime Minister find it useful to have Number 10 as a powerful unit within Whitehall? And I think it's really interesting. In the late 1960s, both Labour, both the Tories and the senior civil service all identified what they called the hole in the centre. The idea that Number 10 has all the focus but actually, often, little of the actual power. What you need is a number 10 where you push a button and pull a lever and things actually happen. There's nothing more frustrating for a prime minister than the idea that you have the power, but nothing actually happens. And when you look at what Johnson is facing, no matter what kind of man he actually is and what qualities he brings, what he needs is a civil service absolutely operating at the top of their game. It is indeed time to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. Campaigning to take on the bureaucracy certainly worked for Donald Trump. My name is Sarah Elliott. I am chair of Republicans Overseas UK. Part of this plan of draining the swamp is to get um, the federal departments out of Washington, D.C. and out of what's called the Beltway, which is a motorway that circles Washington, D.C. And so to pop that bubble, that Washington, D.C. bubble, and um, spread out the, the bureaucracies while at the same time shrinking the bureaucracies to make them more nimble and more able to respond to the needs of the American people. When we look at what's going on with Boris Johnson's government, do you see parallels between the two? Absolutely. I, I think it's pretty common now around Western democracies. They both represent, they both were elected by a working class, non-metropolitan um, uh, elite uh, voters. So they, they both have a responsibility to respond to the needs of people who primarily don't live in the southeast in London or around a major metropolitan area in the U.S. So their ways of relating to their electorate will be similar. What will UK voters make of these plans? Here's Delta Poll's Joe Twyman. Generally speaking, when it comes to the general public, there isn't that much attention being paid to the nuances of things like civil service reform. It's just not something that people are interested in. Instead, the broad feeling that most people have is that they want things like public services to improve, but they don't really mind how that's done. And so they would say, yes, I want civil service reform, but in a lot of cases, what they're saying is, I want reform, I want things to improve, I want changes to take place. They're not really so interested in the precise nuances of what that reform is. Some breaking news uh, just in the past couple of moments. So we've just heard that the Cabinet Secretary, Sir Mark Sedwill, is standing down as Cabinet Secretary. While civil service reform may not excite the public, recent high-profile departures have made headlines and caused unease in the ranks. One former permanent secretary told me, while the government may have diagnosed a problem, it's still not clear whether they know what the solution is. That was Jack Fenwick reporting. Um, Seb, what is the status of the government's plans? Uh, when can we expect big visible changes of any? 
Well, I think you've seen some already with the number of permanent secretaries who have left this year alone and a new head of the civil service with Mark Sedwell getting replaced by Simon Case there. Obviously, some of the Johnson government's reform agenda has been stalled by coronavirus, but a lot is happening behind the scenes, as you just heard in the great package there. And, um, you know, the, this culture change is happening. And I think you will see more of it as the government goes through, because I think for Mr. Johnson and Dominic Cummings, his chief advisor, taking on what they see as the blob of vested interest in the British state is absolutely vital for delivering their policy agenda, but also for winning another election in 2024. That blob moves around, doesn't it? Uh, Miata, you've worked for previous prime ministers in the Cabinet Office and the strategy unit you've been on the inside. Does the civil service need reform? I think most civil servants will say that, you know, it needs reform in order to move quicker. It's a bureaucracy. Bureaucracies move slowly um, to be more connected with communities, to able ensure that the policies that are designed actually have meaningful impact on the ground. Uh, I think few would dispute that, despite the fact the civil service is filled with incredibly impressive, hardworking, dedicated people. Um, I think for me, the, the, the two questions is if what we're trying to do is connect uh, the civil service uh, to communities. I'm not sure moving departments to different parts of the country will actually solve the problem. I think you probably need meaningful devolution in order to do that. And Rosie, do you think uh, Labour would leave well alone or or maybe there does need to be more less London-centric thinking? What do you think? I think in theory, I love the idea that we could sort of make it a more devolved institution. And, you know, I understand that idea that we need to get things less London centric. But I mean, I personally hear alarm bells when I hear that Dominic Cummings is behind this and that, you know, he's almost we know that he plays chess almost with with government, you know, as he sees fit. So the idea that he might be moving people and departments into areas of government majority, for example, is quite alarming. So I think we we will need to keep an eye on that and really scrutinise what they're doing. And Mark, what do you think? Do you trust the government and the Prime Minister's advisers to get this one right? Yeah, I, no, I think incremental reform to the civil services is sensible and I think most uh, officials would. But I mean, ultimately, civil servants and indeed the agencies um, as well are accountable to ministers and I think good ministers um, get the civil service to do what they want, which is what's proper in our parliamentary system. Um, And I, certainly my ministerial experience, I had some fantastic civil servants who faithfully executed the policies of the government. 